like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I am, of course, your host of the show, the host with the most, and that is Logan Blackman. And before we get into what we're going to talk about today, make sure you go and follow the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram. Go like the Facebook page, search Logan Blackman Show. It should pop up. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. And go follow the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. Again, just search Logan Blackman Show. And also go and follow my personal accounts. Logan underscore Blackman's my Twitter account. That's where I post the links to the podcast. Logan Blackman Show Twitter account. It's kind of dead, to, to put it lightly. I don't remember the last time I've actually posted on there. And, um, yeah, it doesn't really, nothing really happens on that account anymore. Because... I came to the realization that if I keep this account the way it's going, no one's going to actually listen to the show. And maybe people aren't listening to the show now, but they sure as hell weren't listening to it when I was on that Twitter account. I have a wider audience, I guess, or wider, I can cast a wider net per se with my personal Twitter account as opposed to the show's Twitter account, which has like 85 followers or something. My personal Twitter account is like 410. So... I think I'm doing a better job casting the net on the Twitter account as opposed to the Logan Black or as opposed to the Logan Blackman show account than I would on the Logan Blackman account. The Instagram account Blackman Logan, just search Logan Blackman in the search bar. It's got me looking nice and fresh in a tuxedo for one of my childhood friends' weddings we were in last year. Celebrated their one year anniversary a few uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago. So congratulations to those two, and let's. Get into what we're talking about today and just a simple word to start it off. Quarterbacks. We are going to be talking a lot about the most important position, hardest, well, okay, this is going to divide opinions everywhere because everybody's got their own opinion on what position is the hardest in sports. Like off to linemen, hardest position in sports. Um, a goalie in either soccer or hockey is the hardest in sports. Batting in baseball in general is the hardest thing to do in sports. But there's not a position that requires more think. Now, again, this is coming from a biased standpoint. It's going to sound biased, but I don't care. Because in the NFL and in college, high school, wherever, the quarterback needs to know everything that's going on at all times. Needs to know what the receivers need to do. Need to know what the protection is for the offensive line. Need to know which way the running backs are going. Everything the offense has that it does, the quarterback needs to know. The coach in the field, per se. Because receivers, they can take plays off. I'm not dissing receivers or anything, but they can take plays off by blocking and stuff like that. And they just need to know their specific routes. Running backs, pass coverage is very key for running backs, as well as be able to catch the ball in the backfield, knowing which way to run in the cuts, and doing jump cuts, knowing how to read off to linemen, stuff like that. It's very hard. Off to linemen, obviously, you're pushing other massive men around a football field, and you're sitting in a very uncomfortable position for an extremely long period of time. We've talked about this before. When I'm building, when I'm eventually a GM in the NFL, I will construct a team consisting of a superior left tackle and a mobile quarterback. That is how we start off this team, is the mobile quarterback and the strong off the lineman. Strong left tackle. You cannot have a team without an offensive lineman. Okay? So there you can go like, okay, well, Logan, you just ruined your entire argument because you just said you the quarterback's most position on the most important position on the field, but you can't do anything without offensive lineman, which both can go hand in hand. I think offensive line is probably something I would never want to do. And I commend every single offensive lineman out there. Some of my best friends from William Penn are offensive linemen. Some of my good friends from high school are offensive linemen. Or defensive linemen, for that matter. But, yeah, okay, I'm just going to stop because this is, again, this is a debate that goes on. Has been dividing people for centuries. What position's harder, quarterback or offensive line? Now, playing a quarterback, as you grow up in the position, it gets easier as you go on, but you can say that about everything you do in life. As you get older, things start to get easier. But it's not easy. It makes They make it look easy, but it's not. You saw Kendall Hinton playing his first NFL game, getting a day's notice after not playing quarterback for two years and played D1 quarterback at Wake Forest 
for four, three years before switching to wide receiver. And he went one for nine with two picks. That is something that a lot of people are looking at. It was like, wow, he absolutely sucked. One for nine, two interceptions. That's terrible. Dude had a day's notice. It's not easy. So there's people out there that go like, oh, I could make that throw. But you can't. You really can't. You can't. It's damn near impossible for anybody to just randomly walk out there. And this actually, I screenshotted this from YouTube today, about a few hours ago. And <laughs> this was something that I saw on YouTube. It was GQ Sports with one of the dumbest video. Now, I could tell you exactly how this video ends before I even watched it. I didn't even watch it because it was 21 minutes long. I'm not wasting 21 minutes to know what happens. Can an average guy beat an NFL field goal kicker, NFL kicker in a field goal, and then dot, 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 but I'm assuming competition? No, they can't. <laughs> they are professional kickers. Now, I see you are at the Jets Stadium. It doesn't matter if you are a kicker for the New York Jets. It doesn't matter if you're a kicker for the Pittsburgh Steelers or if you're Justin Tucker or, uh, wow, I forgot the Chiefs kicker. Butker, Harrison Butker. doesn't matter who you are. Kicking is hard. I've kicked in high school. I was a backup kicker. I was a pretty, I was a damn good backup kicker in high school. Not gonna, not gonna lie. Not gonna toot my own horn, but professional anything in sports is so much better than the average person saying they can go out in there and do it. Because kicking on face value, like, oh, wow, all kickers need to do is kick. That's all they do. You hear that in Blue Mountain State. Why would you throw the kicker the ball? All they do is kick. Kicking's not easy. One of my best friends from high school is a kicker, was a kicker. It's not hard. It's not, I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy. Hard position as well in sports. But kickers make it look easy. Some make it look a little bit more difficult than others. But <laughs> it's hard. So before you even click on this video that says, can an average guy beat an NFL kicker in a field goal, I'm guessing, attempt game, and the thumbnail says 40-yard field goal, the answer is no. I'm just going to spoil the video for you. Not, don't even bother watching it. I might watch it after this show is done, but you don't really need to bother watching it because you know what? This dude's a professional. He might play for the Jets, but it doesn't matter. He's a freaking professional athlete. It's crazy. There can be good average kickers out there, but they're the, they're the best 32 or supposedly the best 32 kickers in the United States. I'm not going to say world because I hate, that's one of the cringiest things the NFL does is say we're world champions when they just play the United States, like the World Cup, all the different countries around the world compete to get to the World Cup final. That's a world champion. Not a, a team that beat other American teams in a final. I don't, I don't get it. It's just, it's just I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. World Series can be the same thing, but then you can go like, oh, there are different people from different cultures, stuff like that. Different countries. Baseball in the United States, probably the most... Baseball and soccer, two very diverse sports in regards to people from other countries coming over and a lot of other countries in the world play it. I know people, a lot of people around the world play basketball as well, but you're going to get a lot of Americans in there because if you didn't know this by now, the USA kicks ass at basketball. All you need to do is watch the Olympics. The backup squad, spearheaded by Mason Plumley, is winning world titles maybe not olympics but was it the fiba fiba world championships or something like that when you have mason Plumley and brooke lopez no disrespect to those two because they're of course they're nba players leading the charge as the number five spot kind of shows how much better we are than everybody because the, they're not the i mean brooke lopez yeah at one time when he was on the nets was seen as the best center in the nba or at least one of the best centers in the nba mason Plumley, not so much and he's one of the starters, or one of the key players in this team. He's not even a starter in the NBA. But man, professional anything is harder than what the average person thinks. Kendall Hinton's a prime example of Hinton is a prime example of that. And this stupid GQ video that again, don't watch it because it's going to be a waste of your time. But that doesn't mean we still can't critique people. You can critique people all you want because I know there's also the thing of you never did this. How can you critique it? You're still entitled to your own opinion. You don't need to do something to know, wow, that guy's not very good. I think that someone else could do a better job at that. You get a lot of people saying that, but 
Still allowed to critique it because I had to make sure I clarified that because I'm going to be critiquing some quarterbacks today. And this is something that I haven't really talked about on the Logan Blackman show that much. I've talked about it maybe, I don't know, I, don't, I haven't really touched on it that often. And after watching Iowa versus Nebraska, I mean, it's been a constant thing throughout the season for the Hawkeyes. They're 4-2. They played one team with a winning record, and they lost that game, and the quarterback play has been subpar, to say the least. And I know people out there are going to go, well, Logan, uh, Spencer Petrus didn't have spring practice or summer practice. You can't blame him. Well, it's not like he's a true freshman or a transfer. He's been in the same system for three freaking years. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's been around these players before. And you're also telling me that he never did on-air reps with Brandon Smith, Amir Smith-Marset, uh, Nico Regani, Tyrone Tracy, Sam Laporta, Tyler Goodson, Makai Sargent, and, and others. This offensive unit for Iowa this year, in regards to the skill positions, as we already stated, Brandon Smith, Amir Smith-Marset, Tyrone Tracy, Nico Regani, Sam Laporta, Tyler Goodson, Makai Sargent, Ivory Kelly-Martin, like, as a, as a whole unit. Now, there's obviously, looking back in the 21st century of Iowa Hawkeyes football, there's a lot of very good offensive players. You see the McNutts, the DJKs, the Sean Greens. But as a unit, as skill position unit, this is the best unit Iowa's had in my lifetime. Now, there's players that are worse than some of the players on years gone by, and I would expect like Marvin McNutt to walk into this team or... A guy like TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fan or Tony Moyaki to walk in in front of Sam Laporta. But as a full unit, this team is awesome. And for a guy coming in who's a redshirt sophomore, not a freshman, true freshman by that, this should be the easiest transition period ever. None of your weapons that from the season prior when Nate Stanley was the quarterback and the weapons that I am sure you worked with in practice at some stage left. All the key pieces are still there. Smith, Brandon Smith, Amir Smith-Marset, Tyrone Tracy, Nico Regani. Those guys are still there. You have had to build relationships with those guys. You have the best center in college football in Tyler Lindebaum. You have Alaric Jackson. Yes, he's having a down year, but still one of the best talents in college football. He might slip to like the second or third round this year. He's not a first rounder with the way he's been playing this year. But you know what? He's still talented. This is not a, a season where there should be stress. You haven't played any good teams at this point in the season. And really, you're not going to play a lot of good teams the rest of it. Because you play Illinois and then Wisconsin, who's played like three games this year. So when people come out and defend Spencer Petrus because he hasn't had the summer practices, the person that can't... Okay, here's something else. A person that cannot say that excuse is your offensive coordinator. And I'll tell you why. Because the offensive coordinator goes out there and says he's not ready to play. Then don't throw it 50 times against Northwestern. Okay? It's very, it's not brain surgery we're doing here. It's very simple. Oh, our quarterback's not ready. In his second ever start in college football, let's throw it 50 freaking times. And also, if you want to know a quarterback's best friend, it's a running game. Look at Blake Bortles. Back a few years ago when the Jaguars made the playoffs, made the freaking AFC Championship game. Offense wasn't great, but... Blake Bortles looked like a possibly decent to maybe good NFL quarterback because they established a run game with Leonard Fournette. The Hawkeyes have Tyler Goodson, Makai Sargent, and Ivory Kelly Martin, who's not going to play a lot because the two I mentioned before are superior as far as running backs go, especially Tyler Goodson. Run the ball with them. Tyler Goodson is good enough to carry the rock 20, 25 times a game. He can handle that. If your quarterback's quote-unquote not ready because he was, I don't know, didn't have spring practice, so he never practiced before in a day in his life, this isn't a Kendall Hinton situation where Spencer Petrus was never told anything that was going to... He knew going into this season, he knew last year he was going to be the starter for Iowa. I'm pretty sure he knew when he came in to Iowa, he was eventually going to be the starter at Iowa. So he's been preparing for this moment for the last two years, two and a half years. So you can't give me the excuse of, oh, he's not ready. He's been practicing. It's not like he's never practiced before. And this excuse would also work if Iowa was the only team affected by this. But they're not. 
every freaking college in America was affected by COVID-19. So Brian Ferentz, when you come out and say he's not ready to perform at this high level yet, don't throw it 50 times. And in these last two games against Nebraska and Penn State, teams combined two wins on the season, he's finally reached above 60% completion percentage on the season. Let's give him a round of applause. And it makes it a little more annoying. Like, because you obviously hear it's been talked about ad nauseum that he broke Jared Goff's high school records. That's been talked about a lot this season. And a depressing amount. <laughs> and you watch Zach Wilson, who, between Spencer Peters and Zach Wilson, that was like apparently the last scholarship at Iowa was between those two quarterbacks. And see what Zach Wilson's doing. And more than likely, Zach Wilson be a top 15 pick in this year's draft. I know Spencer's a redshirt sophomore, so technically he could leave this year. But he ain't going to be anywhere near that. He's still on the negative side of the interception mark. He's got four touchdowns and five interceptions this season. And you can do that. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If there has to be an open quarterback competition next year. You cannot go into next season, and after seeing this... You can't go, uh, yeah, we're just going to give him the starting job again. I don't think he'll lose the starting job this year. Kirk Ferentz didn't even bench Jake Christensen. Like He waited till the next season to give Ricky Stanzi some reps in-game and then pull the plug on him. He never did it in-season. You see the same thing with Jake Rudock when everybody was cl- clamoring for C.J. Beathard. Ferentz never pulled the trigger on Rudock until the bowl game, and then Beathard started gaining steam on this guy's going to be the starter next season. Vandenberg, 4-8 season. Seven touchdowns, eight interceptions. Ferentz never benched him. No other quarterback got a single snap that season. So going into the next year with Sokol, Beathard, and Rudock, no one really knew who the starter was going to be because they never saw who the backup was because Vandenberg never left the field. Ferentz will not bench Petrus this year. I'm very confident in saying that. I've watched enough Iowa football throughout my lifetime, 23 years on this earth, and Kirk Ferentz has been the head coach for 22 years, to know what Ferentz is going to do with his quarterback situation. He's going to ride it out to the end of the season and contemplate it going forward. And this is also proving why Brian Ferentz is not going to be the heir apparent to Kirk. I know there's the dream in Kirk's head that he wants to keep it in-house. That's what Hayden Fry did. That's not happening. That cannot happen here. Go after like a Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. Northwest, North Dakota State guy, Waterloo, Iowa guy. Those are the. That's the kind of guy I would want. Now, he'd be the highest-paid coach in Iowa history because his buyout is freaking ridiculous at Kansas State. He just signed a new contract like last year. He's beaten Oklahoma twice, played him twice, beat him both times. But Petrus, I hope he comes good. But watching him this season, there's nothing even close to redeeming about what he's doing at Iowa. It's ridiculous. There's been I've had experiences where, like, not from me, but you go, you see like movies and stuff with the creepy dude like staring at some person across the bar, like, "Oh, I'm gonna stare at this chick for as long as possible and hope she notices." That's what Spencer Peters does with his wide receivers. So I pretend to act surprised when I the girl turns the guy down or the cornerback jumps the route and intercepts the ball. Wow, how the hell was that supposed to happen? Marv McNutt, one of the greatest wide receivers in Iowa football history, not just of this 21st century of Iowa history. Even tweeted, dude, he stopped staring down his receivers. It's ridiculous. It's hard to watch. He overthrows everybody. He has no confidence in himself. His feet are moving 100 miles an hour. He breaks the pocket like that. At least he did earlier in the season. He's kind of figured that out a little bit. His pocket presence has gone up. Wow, Iowa. You wouldn't expect a quarterback at Iowa to be... <laughs> at Iowa, the, least thing, the last thing quarterbacks should be worried about is getting hit a ton. Because that's what Iowa does, is build offensive lines. They have the entire Kirk Ferentz tenure at Iowa. Build off the lines. The weapons around the quarterbacks at times has been suspect, but not this year. Brandon Smith, Amir Smith-Marset are awesome football players. Both will probably get drafted. Not high, but drafted enough. Brandon Smith's height, uh, playmaking ability as far as his leaping ability, uh, high point in the ball, will be key in him being drafted. Amir Smith-Marset's versatility in the kick return game. And the speed at wide receiver, which he provides, playing the slot and out wide at times, will get him drafted. I'm not saying first or second round. We're talking third, maybe day three draft. If not, they'll sign contracts somewhere in free agency. I don't think they won't be in the NFL. These are NFL caliber guys here. These are not scrubs that we're seeing thrown out there. 
This isn't like, no disrespect to these guys, but it's not Jordan Cotton and Keenan Davis out there. This is freaking Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset with Tyler Goodson in the backfield. This is the best, like, trio of talent since the DJK, Marv McNutt, and Adam Robinson days. That That is comparable to that. Stansy at times struggled staring down wide receivers, but there was at least redeeming qualities with Ricky Stansy because in the fourth quarter, didn't matter what the score was, Iowa still had a chance to win. That was the thing. It was called Stansy time, if you remember that back then. No matter what he did during the game, he'd pull it out in the fourth quarter. Petrus doesn't do that. There's literally nothing watching that is redeeming. Now, I'm not saying he can't turn it around and become a great quarterback at the University of Iowa, but this year... Everybody wants to say, oh, it's a washed year. It doesn't matter for anything anyways. I don't care. So then nothing matters. Even good quarterback play doesn't matter. Derek King transferred in to Miami with no spring practice and no summer practice and still has had a fantastic year playing for Miami. That's a guy going into a new system who's he's never experienced before. Spencer Peters has been in the same system for three years. There's no reason he should be playing like this. And again, it makes it harder watching Zach Wilson ball out. And I love watching Zach Wilson. The way he runs, how accurate he is, it's very fun to watch. Now, they are playing a combined schedule of 30 and 38, I think is what I saw. But it's still fun to watch them tear up these bad teams. And, man. Again, Iowa hasn't played anybody good. They played one team that had a winning record in Northwestern. Other than that, Iowa's not played a single team that's remotely like that will challenge that should be able to challenge them. They won three games by 20 points or more. They should be able to dominate these games. Now they play Illinois. They're 13 and a half point favorites against Illinois. They should have beaten Nebraska by more, to be honest. But Adrian Martinez, remember him as a Heisman dark horse. He actually played pretty decent in the game, but yeah, again, I'm not saying Petrus can't come good, but you have to have an open quarterback competition this off season because he doesn't, he, nothing redeeming from what I've watched this year. And we've played, what, six games? It has been not very fun to watch. This is, We're getting very Jake Christensen-esque vibes, if you remember watching him and watching the atrocity of him trying to throw a football. Remember when he tried, when people were clamoring for him to replace Drew Tate, one of the greatest quarterbacks in Iowa history? Jake Christensen is easily the worst quarterback in Iowa history. There's nothing redeeming about what Jake Christensen did. Iowa went 6-6 six and six and lost to Western Michigan. That was not a great year. Lost in senior day to Western frickin' Michigan. Didn't go to a bowl game that year. Then Stansy comes in. Takes the starting job eventually. Helped that he had Sean Green there. Because, man, wouldn't it just be nice of a new quarterback coming into a system? Had a running back that could take the load off of him? Now, that also, that part comes down to play calling. I'll give you that one. Play calling, you would want Brian Ferris to go, You know what? Tyler Goodson, he's he's pretty good. Makai Sargent is pretty good. Now, they have gotten better at not just pulling Tyler Goodson because Makai Sargent needs his carries. That's something that they did at the beginning of the year where it was like, okay, third quarter's in, Makai Sargent's going up. Like, feed the hot hand. And that's kind of what's happened since the probably the Northwestern game where you've seen Tyler Goodson get most of the carries. He doubles Makai Sargent's carries to this point in the season, which is what you would want, as an Iowa fan, you would want Tyler Goodson to get the both of carries. Now, I'm not even trying, because I know a lot of people, or some people out there will be like, well, he's no Brees Hall. I wasn't going to bring him up, but Brees Hall is freaking monster. Brock Purdy is the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. Brees Hall is the best running back in the state of Iowa. Like, we don't, this isn't rocket science here. The, the eye test works wonders here. It works brilliantly here. And it makes me upset when you look at the stats this season for Iowa and see Brandon Smith has less catches than Nico Reganey. No disrespect to Nico Reganey, but come on. He's captain checkdown. That's another thing. The reason Sam Laporta and Nico Reganey are leading the team in receiving or in receiving yards and receptions this year is because they're running the underneath routes. Spencer Peters is just captain checkdown. And when he throws it deep, it's 18 yards past the person said it. Don't know why I said 18, but that's a number that popped in my head. Man. And I don't think, I'm sorry, I've said this before as well, I think Alex Padilla is uh, like another Tyler Wiegers or another 
Um, who's another quarterback that was like that? Tyler Wiegers, uh, Peyton Mansell. Almost forgot who what his name was. Uh, I think he's one of those guys. I would, I'd be really shocked if Deuce Hogan is not eventually the starter here at the University of Iowa or here. I'm in Urbandale. If he's not the starter at the University of Iowa, I would be shocked by that. He's going to have a lot of hype coming in next season, especially with how Peters has played and if he continues doing this. Now, he is technically on an upward trajectory because he's completed above 60% of his passes the last two games. There has to be a quarterback controversy. A quarterback carrot. There has to be some competition this offseason. There has to be. There has to be. The, what, the How much hype there was going into this season and... How watching how Petrus has played, I cannot think of another Iowa quarterback that's been as hyped going into a season than Spencer Petrus, at least in my lifetime. Because I remember when he got recruited, I was in my when he signed with Iowa or announced he was committed to Iowa. My dad sprinted downstairs. I was in the basement of our house where I'm doing the show right now, and he said, "Iowa just got a guy that broke Spencer Petrus or uh, broke Jared Goff's high school record." Jared Goff's the number one overall pick in the <laughs> in the NFL draft. Uh, he signed a big contract. It's gone to a freaking Super Bowl. It's a, yeah, I've not seen that this year. He looks rattled, and I hope for his sake that he figures it out. But you cannot not have a quarterback controversy or quarterback competition this offseason. He won't get benched this year. He won't. I'm very confident in saying that. He will not get benched this year. Because Ferentz has never benched a quarterback in season, at least to my memory. Because again, the two quarterbacks, or three quarterbacks that has received a fair amount of hate in the Kirk Ferentz era was Jake Christensen, Jake Rudock, and James Vandenberg. When did they get benched? Jake Christensen, they waited till the offseason, finished the entire season going 6-6, six and six, and then went into the next season with a quarterback competition. Jake Rudock started two seasons at Iowa, battled some injuries, CJ came in, and then against Tennessee, or LSU, can't remember, they pulled him. Beather goes in, takes the starting job away from him. Vandenberg never had competition. They don't even know what the backup was. And they went four and eight. Like, there's going to be, there has to be, there has, there has to be. I'm not writing off Petrus yet, because I hate when people write off their quarterbacks like that. I'm not writing him off, but he, he can totally turn it around. I would hope, I would hope for his sake he turn around, but there is literally nothing I've watched this year that is redeeming to going, I believe he can be the next Jared Goff. And that's not a very high. He's a good. He's a good quarterback in the NFL. That's not saying like he's not gonna. He's gonna be the next Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or someone like that. I don't even know if he can reach Jared Goff level. If he can get better next year, as if he's still the starter, that is, then we can talk about where he could get drafted. See, he ain't getting drafted this year. Obviously, that ain't happening. And uh, yeah. Seasons, they're 4-2, and two, and I can't remember a time where Iowa's been above 500 and they've been this dross to watch. They've been this terrible to watch. Even in the blowout games against Michigan State, Minnesota, Penn State, they haven't even been fun to watch. I remember when I was younger watching Stansy blowout teams like Iowa State, C.J. Beathard blowing out teams. They were fun games to watch. Stansy coming back against Indiana to win like 49-21 or something like that. Those games were fun. There's not even there's these aren't even remotely fun to watch. Cause you're watching a guy check down a ton, and it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. If I had to rank the quarterbacks in the state of Iowa, the D1 quarterbacks, the D like sorry, Drake, I don't know who your starting quarterback is. Maybe I should do some research on that to get some more information about the Drake Bulldogs football team because they are a D1 program and they deserve some respect. Because a lot of people don't consider them a D1 program because they don't play you and I or Iowa. They played Iowa State a few years ago, but people were like, oh, Iowa State's a kill them. They're still a D1 school. There's D1 non-scholarship. But, yeah, out of the three, big three in Iowa, I would easily rank it Purdy, McIlvain, Petrus. Easily. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. <laughs> Purdy the best. Not even close. And then McIlvain. He led the nation in passing yards for a freshman last year until Trey Lance's last throw. Well, we'll get to Trey Lance in a little bit as well because I got some NFL draft stuff that I want to talk about today. And Petrus, yeah. We've, already, we've talked enough about Petrus. We spent the entire half hour talking about Spencer Petrus. 
I think we can move on from this topic. But uh, speaking of UNI football and Mil- Will McIlvain, I'm extremely excited for the spring season because now that we have reached December, we can look towards that upcoming football season. Now, I don't know how they go back to reality after that because you expect those players to just magically recover after a full season and just return back in the fall. I don't know if that's going to happen. I hate how that whole thing was handled. I get the mystery of COVID and people are scared of COVID and all that stuff. But this thing, I hope it works because you and I, this season, uh, this is one of the, again, I've talked about this before. There's more, there's things a thousand times more important than sports. Sports are very trivial in the grand scheme of everything. But you look at this team that you and I had going into this season with the likes of Will McIlvain coming into year technically three because he's been there. He was a redshirt freshman last year. You have good running backs. Tyler Tyler Hoosman was coming back. He battled injuries the entire season. All of Will McIlvain's weapons, other than Briley Moore, transferred to Kansas State, were pretty much coming back. Yeah, Isaiah Weston. Dion McShane was going to be back as well. Those two battled injuries. Isaiah Weston arguably was the best receiver in the FCS last year. until But he kept battling injuries. Then you lose Spencer Brown. Who's going to go to the NFL draft. Probably going to be a second round pick this year. Uh, Matt Miller from Bleach Report had him as a late first round pick. And then he lost Ellerson Smith. One of the best edge rushers in, college, in the FCS level. He's going to go to the NFL draft. He lost Xavier Williams. One of the best safeties or corners. He's a very just good defensive back in general. For you and I. He's gone as well. Chris Kalarovic transferred to Nebraska, which is a huge loss. Now, they do still got some great players on this team. Bronte Wells being one of them. Omar Brown, one of the best freshmen in college football last year. Shut down corner for a true freshman. Awesome stuff for Omar Brown. They're gonna. This season was set up so perfectly for you and I to succeed. And COVID wiped it all away. Because the home schedule, the way the home schedule was set up was perfect for you and I. Perfect. We've talked about this before. How perfect that season was, but there was going to be no crowd. Like you got all the all the big games: North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and among others, top ranked teams. Illinois State, I believe, were all at home. Weber Weber State was going to be at home this year. Top five program in FCS, and COVID just snatched that all away. And I know, again, there's things more important than sports, but I feel bad for the players who. Missed out on that opportunity to play in front of a hopefully packed Unidome. Now we can't, we wouldn't know, but I would hope because of you and I being preseason ranked third, I would totally expect the dome to be packed. And I feel bad for him. Will is going to be back to number two. And yeah, but I, I still think they'll be a good team this upcoming season. It'll be rough with no crowd there at the Unidome, but it'll still be a very, very fun season. I expect great things from Will. Isaiah Weston and the others on the team to have themselves a great season. And Spencer Brown, Ellerson Smith, Xavier Williams, good luck in the NFL draft. I hope you all have great combines, great draft interviews, great everything. Because you guys, deserve. I was in a class with Spencer Williams, Spencer Brown. Uh, I was in another class with Xavier Williams. Never talked to Xavier, but Spencer Brown was a in my public speaking class. Uh, very, very quiet, very nice person he's a monster freaking huge but very cool guy from a very interesting background and I wish him nothing but the best in the NFL draft process but man tough bro it sucks it sucks I was so I was really excited for you and I football this year there's so much hype going into the season but now after sitting through a fall of sit watching Iowa try to play football or at least pretty football but I, there's a thing where it's like a dub's a dub. It doesn't matter how you get it. And Iowa's dubs this season have all been ugly. Even the ones where they've blown out teams weren't fun to watch. Uh, Iowa State, we talked about you and I and Iowa. Might as well talk about Iowa State as well. Going to the Big 12 Championship game, it seems like. 99% sure they're going to the Big 12 Championship game. Uh, Brees Hall, arguably this season, I, well, I, so I probably wouldn't even say arguably, probably the best running back in college football because Travis Etienne's had a down year. Najee Harris has had an up-and-down season due to Alabama's passing attack being very good this year with Mac Jones, Devontae Smith. Jalen Wall has been injured, but when he was there, made it harder for Najee Harris to get carries. 
Travis Etienne really kind of shut down, got shut down against Notre Dame. Clemson hasn't played a lot of games this year. Uh, but Brees Hall, uh, baller. I, I don't really think that, I think that goes without saying. And he had one of the all-time quotes the other day, five-star program versus five-star culture. Great quote. Put that on the shirt. Put that in the Bergstrom practice facility. Put that on Jack Trice Stadium. Put it everywhere because that's an all-time quote. And, yeah, him, Brock Purdy, great players. There's obviously other players at Iowa State they're not the only two that have gotten them. Purdy's had kind of an up-and-down year. Um, but still, undoubtedly the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. We said that last year as well, uh, even with Nate Stanley going to the NFL. I'd, Purdy's just so much more fun to watch than the other quarterbacks. He's very similar. He's like a bigger Will McIlvain. And that's not saying – I know I know a lot of people out there is like, what, you're comparing him to an FCS quarterback? If you ever watched Will McIlvain play, being from the Des Moines area, watched him play, practiced with him uh, in high school, Lincoln and Johnson had a joint scrimmage two years. My sophomore and junior year of high school, we scrimmaged Lincoln, and Will was the starter my junior year of high school at Lincoln. And, yeah, it's not a that's not a slight on Brock Purdy whatsoever. That's a very – it's a compliment to Will and Brock Purdy, I guess. Uh, but, yeah. Brock's fun to watch. Brock is very fun to watch. Easily, I'm not even ashamed to admit it. We talked about this on the show last year. You can go listen to the older shows here and hear me talk about how much better of a prospect Brock Purdy is than Nate Stanley. We get to, we've talked about that at nauseum at the old Logan Blackman show, like back in October of 2019. Like, it's not. It doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that out. And to say the same thing about Brock Purdy being the best quarterback in the state of Iowa this year. It's not brain surgery. It's not brain science. You just need to look and go like, wow, there's really not, <laughs> he's really not close. He's kind of on another level compared to the other ones. And same with Brees Hall. Uh, yeah, Tyler Goodson's good. I really like Tyler Goodson. I really like Masai Sargent as well. I really like Tyler Hoosman, the Kansas transfer they got in. Can't remember his name. I'm drawing a complete blank right now on what his name is. I feel bad because <laughs> he's... Supposed to be a very, very good football player. But Brees Hall is on another level as well. And, yeah, congrats to Iowa State on a good season. They're seven-point favorites against West Virginia this weekend. Uh, Yeah, they're going to probably play, more than likely play Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game because if somehow Oklahoma loses another game or if they end on, just if they end on joint records with Oklahoma State, they have the tiebreaker against Okie State by absolutely obliterating them a few weeks ago. So they'll go to the Big 12. It'll more than likely be Iowa State versus Oklahoma. Big 10 championship, unless Ohio State slips up, which I really don't see them doing, uh, it will be Ohio State versus either Northwestern, Wisconsin, or Iowa because the Big 10 West has not been great. The Big 10 in general hasn't been great this year. There hasn't been a lot of great (laughs) football this year. Other than the SEC. SEC is still kicking it. ACC stepped up its game this year with teams like Notre Dame, North Carolina, Clemson, uh, Clemson, Notre Dame per usual, but North Carolina having a great season this year, led by Sam Howell and Javante Williams. Like, they're a lot of fun to watch. Love Sam Howell. If you ever watch Sam Howell or never have, go and watch North Carolina this week against Western Carolina because Sam Howell should throw for about 500 yards this weekend. So make sure you tune in that. It's an 11 o'clock game on the ACC network. Now, we talked about quarterbacks in college. Now let's move to the NFL. Um... There's a lot of things that get talked about with quarterbacks in the NFL. Who's the best? It kind of gets talked about more than anything in the NFL quarterback controversy. College quarterbacks, you get kind of seniority is a lot of is a very big factor in college football because you got four years. After four years, you'll get a new quarterback. Like there's really there gets a lot of transition periods in college football. To where you could go from Chad Kelly all the way up to Trevor Lawrence. Like, I'm not saying Chad, I like Chad Kelly as a football player. He was really good at Ole Miss, but Mr. Irrelevant in the draft got drafted by the Broncos. But you get you change over time. <laughs> a lot of things change over time. You went from Jake Christian to CJ Beathard. Like, a lot of things happen in college football. But with the NFL over those time frames, like Eli Manning was the starter for the New York Giants for all of those years. Uh, Phillip Rivers, the starter in San Diego and Los Angeles for all those years. Big Ben in Pittsburgh. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. You get a lot of years with NFL quarterbacks. Usually around year five, you just start to figure out whether or not this dude's the guy or not. And there's a lot of good, very good young quarterbacks. And I love the way, the 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 direction the NFL is going as far as scouting quarterbacks and 
as far as the direct, just the overall direction on which how the quarterbacks are playing. We're not seeing statue quarterbacks anymore, which is fun to watch at times. It's fun to see quarterbacks throw for 500 yards in a game or throw for 5,000 yard seasons or 4,000 yard seasons. It's always fun to do that. But now you're getting to the era of the mobile quarterbacks, which is awesome to watch. Love watching mobile quarterbacks, quarterbacks that can do everything. Like, I know it's whatever, bias, whatever. Josh Allen won, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Patty Mahomes, even though he throws the ball over the field, is mobile. Dak Prescott's a mobile quarterback, and he still throws up, five. he almost threw 5,000 yards last year. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is decently mobile. Like, there's so many good Russell Wilson. Didn't even bring him up, but I had to make sure I got him in. Cam Newton, maybe not necessarily this year, but old Cam was a beast. Like, I love the direction we're going with the NFL and the quarterback position. Like, Mike Vick was a pioneer getting drafted first overall in 2001. Like, that was something we never saw before. A quarterback in that skill set of Michael Vick, left-handed, could run, had an absolute snot rocket, absolute hose for an arm, Michael Vick did. Not the most accurate, but still awesome. Loved watching Michael Vick. Now you see those shorter quarterbacks that are can move get drafted first overall. Height's no longer a factor any and the and the uh, no ma- no longer as big of a factor as it once was. As you see a guy who's five foot nine in Kyler Murray. I know he was listed at five ten and one eighth at the combine. Don't care. That's as close to five nine as you can get. So I think there's something a little fishy there with that measurement. But Kyler Murray getting drafted number one overall. You don't see that in two thousand. You barely you almost didn't see it that past year because or that year, because he was, if he was under 5'10", he ain't getting drafted first overall. But man, the mo- the era of the mobile quarterback is here. And before we get into the quarterback that I want to talk about a lot, uh, best quarterback under the age of 25, pick one to start a team. You got Darnold Jones, Herbert, Tua, Lamar Jackson, Drew Locke, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray. So let's just rank these guys, starting at the bottom of this list. Uh <laughs> Uh, Drew Locke, yeah, Drew Locke's the bottom of that list because he's he's been so up and down throughout his career. He had some good spells last year in like the four or five games that he played last season. But compared to these other guys, there's more upside with these other guys on here than in Drew Locke. The next one on there, I would have to throw in Sam Darnold because literally... I don't get what people are watching. We talked about Sam Darnold and the Sam Darnold truthers or believers, whatever you want to call him, his followers, most annoying people in sports. I'm sorry, Sam. I hope you have success in Indianapolis next year, but right now, you haven't done... Actually, you know what? No. Uh, Tua. We'll throw Tua down there because Tua had the quote of, I thought this would be harder, and then proceeds to get benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. For that alone, we're throwing you right above Drew Locke. Then, actually, no. Move Sam Darnold. We're moving Sam a little bit. Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones has won, what, seven games in the NFL? Four of them or five of them begins against the Washington football team. Not great. Uh, the turnovers are ridiculous that he has at times. Uh, the running play where he tripped on his own feet was pretty funny. But, yeah, uh, there's not really a lot that I would take with Daniel Jones. But, you know what? I think him and Sam Darnold are very similar. Not necessarily in body type, but in what they can do on a football field. And I just think Sam's got more in him and more about him than Daniel Jones. I like Daniel Jones in New York because he reminds me of that Eli Manning, which is why the Giants got him. Um, But Sam, I hope he has success wherever he goes next. Don't hate Sam. I know we've bashed him a lot on this show, but I don't hate Sam. I hate the people that follow him, and those are just annoying. Uh, Sam and Daniel Jones are like, Whatever this, what what number are they? Seven A and seven B, because what? There's nine quarterbacks on your lock to it. Yeah, they're Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones are tied, and then we get into the top five. Number five, I'm gonna throw in Joe Burrow. Uh, I feel bad for Joe tearing his ACL. Man, shades of Carson Palmer, very big shades of Carson Palmer. Uh, number nine won the Heisman, number one overall pick for the Bengals, torn ACL. Boom, it's Carson Palmer. I hope they build him an offensive line. Hope they help him out more than they did Palmer. Much like Palmer, had a bunch of weapons, never had an offensive line. Hope they get that for Joe Burrow. Next one, I would throw in. Uh, this is over everything. This isn't just based off of this year because I know a lot of people would rank this person above someone else on this list. But Justin Herbert. I love Justin Herbert. Uh, the Broncos wanted Justin Herbert. 
in the draft the season prior when Kyler Murray went number one overall. Justin Herbert was the perceived number one at least, at least top ten pick in that draft as he was the sixth overall pick in the 2020 draft. But he came back to Oregon. The Broncos were sniffing all around Justin Herbert around that draft. They had the tenth overall pick. They ended up trading back. You won't think they would trade up to get Justin Herbert. The Jets were trying to trade out a number three because they had the least amount of picks in the draft. Ended up taking Quinn and Williams, who's had an up-and-down career. But you don't think they would have traded up with the Jets to take Justin Herbert? I think that would have been a pretty much locked, a locked-in guarantee. And now they watch their rivals, the Los Angeles Chargers, ball out. Well, not necessarily ball out as a team, but watch Justin Herbert ball out for them. Kind of hurt a little bit. Kind of a soul-crusher there. Uh, next one on here. Do, now, this is where it gets difficult. These three, I think, are guarant- like easily the top three quarterbacks out of these people here. But uh, where do I rank them? You know what? Let's do it like this. Uh, Kyler Murray at three. Uh, Kyler Murray is exciting. He's something that we haven't seen in a very long time in the NFL or something. Because I believe like a couple weeks ago he was on pace for like 4,000, 1,000 or something like that. But then he has games like against the Cowboys where he goes like nine for twenty-four. Like their losses this year, they're six and five. Cliff, first of all, Cliff Kingsbury can't coach. I that was obvious when he got hired, but now it's getting more and more obvious. The Cardinals are six and five. They've lost the freaking Panthers, Lions. Uh, who else did they lose to? They lost the Patriots and the Dolphins. Now I don't. For how much people hype up on Kyler Murray, you would expect him to win those games, not lose those games. This is not now and they they beat the Bills in some miracle play and that proceeded to get people to rank them higher than the Bills, which is ridiculous. And then we saw them play against the they've lost three of their last four games. So they should have lost the Bills. <laughs> and I would rank him three. Then Josh Allen two. Josh to me is like a Brett Favre. I'm not saying he's as good as Brett Favre. He's like a Steve McNair Brett Favre hybrid where he's always going to try and make a play. Now, is that always the best situation, best decision-making? No, not all the time. Like with the lateral in the playoff game, trying to avoid a sack by just shoveling it forward. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But when it does, it works beautifully. And to me, I would rather have Josh Allen on my team than Kyler Murray. And I'm sorry in saying that if that offends people. I don't care. I would rather have Josh Allen than Kyler Murray. I'm also very biased in that regard as well. And then Lamar Jackson won. As far as entire career, there's nobody on this list that even comes close to Lamar Jackson as far as like a career goes. Lamar won the unanimous MVP last year, and people tend to forget that. He led the league in touchdown passes last year. He's the first quarterback to rush for over 1,000 and throw for over 3,000 yards. Like The stuff he did last year was ridiculous, and he's not even having that bad of a year. It's just so when you set the bar, you got to keep hitting that, and the Ravens as a team have had a down year in general. They've been now. There has been discussions of defense calling out their plays before they actually happen and stuff like that. Been a lot of drama in the locker room of the the Ravens, but I would take Lamar Jackson as the best quarterback under twenty five. I don't care if he's had a, a subpar there this year compared to last year. Lamar is the best quarterback under twenty five, and I don't I don't care. That's it's not it's not up for debate for me. I'm not taking it. I'm not. I'm not taking the Lamar Jackson slander from everybody. I now at sixteen fifty the fan where I did my internship. We talked about that show quite a bit here. They have a show called Tiki and Tyranny. It's Tiki Barber and Brandon Tyranny. I almost forgot his name for a little bit. They legit had a conversation about would you rather have Ryan Tannehill or Lamar Jackson? And the way they introduced the segment, Lamar Jackson's Raven takes on Derrick Henry's Titans. That's where the conversation ends. It's over. You didn't list Ryan Tannehill's Titans. Conversation's over. If he's a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson, you say Ryan Tannehill's Titans. And I know he's not the face of the franchise. Derrick Henry's that. If Derrick Henry doesn't have a good game, the do- the Titans generally don't have a good game. There's no realm of th- a thought that should come in your head that says Ty- Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Shut up. Shut up. Why that was even a topping- talking point is ridiculous. And... That conversation is over when you say Lamar Jackson's Ravens and Derrick Henry's Titans. Conversation's done. Clap your hands. It's over. We're wiping them off. We're leaving. That's where it ends. You did. If you want to take Lamar Ryan Tannehill over the unanimous, second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history, go ahead. I'm not going to be there to, <laughs> to cheer you on. 
I know they went head-to-head and the Ravens lost the game to the Titans by Derrick Henry running overtime. But come on, I'm not doing that. And to finish our topic on quarterbacks, we have to talk about the immortal Mitchell Trubisky, which we did not really talk about on Monday. And we talked about it a little bit, how about how that was allowed to be a primetime game. The Bears are the worst 5-6 and six team of all time. How that team was ever allowed to be 5-1 and one at one point is ridiculous. Okay, they're terrible. They're at, there's no hope for them. And Matt Nagy's, uh, what was it, presser the other day? Everybody needs to take a look at themselves in the mirror. And we need to be embarrassed by this. Well, you're the head coach. You don't need to be preaching to us. Preach to your team. <laughs> you don't need to be telling us what coaches should feel. Matt Nagy's a joke. I, Matt Nagy is not a good head coach. He's, a, he's like a Norv Turner-esque coach, but he's a lot less annoying, or a lot more annoying than Norv Turner. Norv Turner was not an annoying coach. He just wasn't a good coach. Same thing with Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy's like freaking Mike McCoy. Even in Kansas City, Matt Nagy put together one of the worst quarters in NFL history until his Chicago Bears broke that, no, it was a half, broke that half record last season. Oh, man. And then I saw this on Instagram. So uh, I don't know why. I've never really understood it because I don't follow any Bears pages on Instagram. I'm not, a Be- I'm not a Bears fan, and this stuff still pops up. George McCaskey is 3-for-3 three three in firing a GM coach or both during seasons of five-game losing streaks. Well, surprise, surprise, the Bears are on a five-game losing streak as we speak with no end in sight to this losing streak, it seems. I had the Bears going 6-10 and ten this year, and at the start of the season, when they started off 5-1, and one, I was like, ooh, they're not going to get 6-10. and ten. They might reach 6-10 and ten. <laughs> with how bad their offense is. I don't really know if there's a hope in hell that that team could reach six wins. And they're at five. They're one win away. Let's look at the rest of their schedule. Lions, Texans, Vikings, Jaguars, and Packers. I honestly don't think they can beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. I honestly do not think the Bears can beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. I am sorry. In this offseason, Ryan Pace needs to go, and Matt Nagy needs to go. Because we already know Mitchell Trubisky is going to be gone. And there's now I know there's the whole thing of coaches want to draft their quarterbacks. Trubisky was never Matt Nagy's quarterback. Well, hell, he wasn't even John Fox's quarterback. John Fox wanted Jamal Adams. He got himself a Mitchell Trubisky. So there's a problem here. Now, I think Ryan Pace needs to gone. He needs to go. Ryan Pace needs to go. Because he's done everything you do in getting quarterbacks. He's drafted one. He signed one in free agency. And he traded for one. And Trubisky, Glennon, and Foles. All of those guys have not turned out in Chicago. Trubisky had the one year where he looked like a competent NFL quarterback in the Matt Nagy system the first year, and then he went downhill ever since then. That just seems like a long time ago when the Bears were actually in the playoffs. And they're wasting away this fantastic defense that they have with Kyle Fuller, with Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, among others. Eddie Jackson, who I should have mentioned one of the first people, like, this Bears team stinks. The fact that the Chargers have a worse record than them shows how also how bad of a coach Anthony Lynn has been in Los Angeles. They had that one fluke 12-4 and year. Ever since then, nothing. We talked about this with Anthony Lynn and Doug Peterson. Other than the Super Bowl season with Doug Peterson, the Eagles have been average to below average the entire time. I'm pretty confident, if I, if I remember correctly, the, Eagle, the Chargers and Eagles in those two's 10 years as the head coach is there, minus the Super Bowl year, they have the same exact or at least similar records as head coaches for those teams. Carson Wentz is getting a lot of hate this year. When does Carson, does Carson Wentz get benched this year? Time will tell on that. But Doug Peterson, Anthony Lynn, and Matt Nagy are very much on the hot seat, among, among with other, along with other coaches. There's a lot of coaches out. We brought this up on Monday. There's a lot of coaches that are going to be on the hot seat this year. But those three have had flashes and then utter below average to average play. Average to below average play ever since those blips. The Bears had that 11-5 season. The uh, Chargers had the 12-4 season where they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And then we had the, what was it, the Doug Peterson Super Bowl team. Like, all this stuff is little blips. But we mostly see the average play come out more often than not with these styles of teams. I, I mean, I, they've got to go. Matt Nagy's the first one that's got to go. Ryan Pace goes as well. 
But you also know Trubisky's going to be gone. So what's going to happen here in Chicago? The offensive line is a massive issue with the Chicago Bears. It's one of the biggest issues on the Bears is how bad their offensive line is. It's been well documented for the last few seasons now how bad their offensive line's been with the injuries and just being overall bad <laughs> in general. Generally bad, not just with injuries, but the injuries on top of the being bad certainly doesn't help things. I feel bad for like Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, among and all those wide receivers that put up with this, the battle line, the bad quarterback play, and etc. It's not fun for these guys. Kind of sucks. Kind of, kind of, kind of sucks. So what will the Bears do this offseason? If I had to guess, it would just be the draft of the guy. But there are there's a lot of quarterbacks available. This offseason, like when we look at NFL free agents for 2021, like the big names, Dak Prescott's a free agent, Phillip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Trubisky, Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, AJ McCarron, Andy Dalton, Colt McCoy, Nathan Peterman is available if you want to go after him. He played an NFL game this weekend for the Raiders. They got blown out, but they still played, so he showed he's capable of playing in an NFL roster. Go after him. RG3, Matt Barkley, Nate Sudfeld, Matt Schaub, Cam Noon, Joe Flacco, Ryan Griffin, Mike Lennon, Geno Smith, Blaine Gabbert, and so on and so forth. Jameis Winston. But you know what the Bears are going to do. Or at least you would hope you know what the Bears are going to do. The Bears are going to draft a quarterback. And this is a very good quarterback draft class. Prior to the season, you didn't really think this was a good quarterback draft class because we saw Jamie Newman's name in the first round. Think of how far we've come since that. Whoever thought Jamie Newman was a first-round quarterback? Because he played decent at Wake Forest. We saw how good Georgia's quarterback development has been under Kirby Smart. It's been awesome. So what makes people think going from Wake Forest to Georgia is going to get him a draft spot? Then he opted out. Uh, I think that's down to him losing his starting job and just going, well, I was a first-round draft pick projection. So, you know what? Let's just opt out. Or maybe it was something more serious. I don't know. I just like playing that card where it's like, oh, let's think if there's something different, something deeper than what's really going on in Georgia. But yeah, Bears, uh, they'll draft a quarterback. So if we look at uh, draft simulations here, I do I do a lot of these uh, during the season. Just, for, just when I get bored, I draft a lot of quarterbacks. I just like doing drafts. The Bears, as of right now, according to... NFL Mock Draft Database.com, which is a new website that I found uh, as featured on Bleach Report, Sports Illustrated, SB Nation, Fanside, USA Today, 24 7 Sports, and more. So if you want to do mock drafts, go onto this thing, create an account, and go forth with your draft pick. So right now, the Bears have the 13th overall pick in the draft. This is a decent spot. Now we're going to do this without trades just to see who would be available. Without, we're only going to go to 13. I don't I don't have enough time here to go through all 32 NFL teams and tell you what they need. Well, the Jets, we already know they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence number one overall. The Jaguars, just by default, are going to take whoever's there next. And that is Justin Fields, who any other year would be the number one overall pick. But the fact that he's dealing with Trevor Lawrence, same thing as when he was in high school. Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall recruit in the nation. He was number two. So, like... You got he's he's not fighting an uphill battle against this Trevor Lawrence kid. I think he's got some personal hatred towards him. Now, if I'm these two, I would want to go back and play in Atlanta because they're both from Georgia. Go back and play for them. But they got Matt Ryan. If you want to replace Matt Ryan eventually, but the Falcons they got a lot more needs on their roster than future quarterback to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's replacement. Uh, Bengals Penny Sewell. Uh, yeah, best offensive lineman available. Easily goes there. Dallas Cowboys, they have quite a few needs. Where do the Dallas Cowboys go? Do they take a corner, edge rusher, linebacker? What? They're going to probably, I would guess they're going defense. Replace Sean Lee. Just go with Micah Parsons. Hasn't played this year. Opted out at the start of the season. Penn State's best overall player. He'll go somewhere in the top five, one would suspect. The Chargers at number five. They have Casey Hayward. They have Chris Harris Jr. Lost Desmond King. Do they go with a corner? They go with another edge rusher. They go wide receiver. They have Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. For this, just for fun, let's go with Jamar Chase because give give Trevor uh, give Kyle, Justin Herbert some more weapons. 
You have the top two guys. Keenan Allen's one of the most, if not the most, underrated wide receiver in the NFL. Mike Williams puts up flashes at times, but you would want to get another big-name guy in there. Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in college football. He opted out this season, but still doesn't change the opinion in my head that he's the best overall wide receiver in this draft. Now, this is where it gets interesting. The Philadelphia Eagles, what do they do? They have quite a bit of needs on this roster. Do they go with a trade back or something to get more picks to help out the needs that they have? Defensively, they need help. Off the line, they need help. Do we trade? Do we dare think of a trade back possibility here? We'll have to wait and see. But for right now, just for fun, um, because I don't really care what the... Do I want to go with like a Jalen Waddle or something? I think the Eagles could definitely do something like that. Now, this is just a speed run thing. So... Let's go with Jalen Waddle. You know what? Just for fun. Just for fun. Go with Jalen Waddle. Get some more speed on the outside, but he's a better wide receiver than Jalen Rager. So let's just do that for fun. Again, this isn't what I actually think. I'm just doing this for fun. Patrick Sertan, go number seven to the Panthers. Need more help on defense. Redskins, or the Washington football team, I should say, are going to be the next team that needs a quarterback. Will it be Trey Lance, or will it be Zach Wilson? My gut, at this point in time, says that it will be Zach Wilson. Because if you look to what Trey Lance did last year, it's fantastic. He had the best season that we've seen in the FCS for a little bit. He didn't turn it over one time. Threw for over, what, almost 3,000 yards. Threw for over 2,700 yards. Rushed for over 1,000. Balled out. Won a natty. Played one game this year. Turned it over one time. Doesn't help his draft stock. He'll probably slide as a just a de facto thing. And Zach Wilson will go 8 2 the Washington football team. The Detroit Lions are next. They're just going to need help on defense. Let's say Gregory Rosso from Miami extended there to number nine overall to the Detroit Lions. The Atlanta Falcons, they're going to need some help as well. Where do we go with the uh, Atlanta Falcons? Let's go with Quiddy Payne, just for, again, just for fun, just to give some defensive people there. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are next. What positions do they really need? They're going to need a wide receiver to help with Devontae Parker. Let's give them Devontae Smith, who Tua was his favorite wide receiver while at Alabama. Led the team in receiving yards last year, even though Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Wall were all there. Devontae Smith led the team in receiving yards. Denver Broncos, uh, what do the Broncos need? I don't know, but they lost Chris Harris last year. Let's give them. Uh, actually, no, you know what? Let's actually do some thinking here. Let's give them, again, I'm not, this is not my official mock draft. I'm just trying to get to the Bears pick just so we can do this the best right now. Um, Denver, they're going to need off-to-line help to protect Drew Locke. Do we go with guard or tackle here? So we got likes of Alex Leatherwood, Samuel Cosme, Christian Derrissaw, Walker Little. Then we got interior off-to-lineman, Wyatt Davis, Creed Humphrey, uh, Trey Smith, uh, Let's just replace Garrett Bowles. Let's get Alex Leatherwood there. And for the Bears, look at quarterback. It's going to be between three dudes. Trey Lance, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones. Best one available is the kid from North Dakota State. I would think the Bears maybe. Well, actually, I wouldn't say Trey Lance is the best one available. But just for sake of this, I think Trey Lance is a baller. I think Kyle Trask is a baller. If Kyle Trask ends up winning the Heisman, he'll go third overall the quarterbacks. Not third overall in the draft. He'll be the third quarterback taken. And then Zach Wilson and Trey Lance will be battling it out. And based off the fact that Zach Wilson had himself a very good season, Trey Lance played one game this year and didn't really perform that well, it'll hurt him a little bit. So he might, just for fun, just put Trey Lance there. Because I really like Trey Lance. Um, But Kyle Trask could easily go there as well. He's bigger than Trey Lance, has a stronger arm, but he's nowhere near as mobile as Trey Lance. But again, if Kyle Trask wins the freaking Heisman this year, then fair play. But with the way the NFL is going right now, with Zach Wilson's and Trey Lance's, we'll more than likely go over a guy like Kyle Trask. Because out of the four quarterbacks that we've taken so far, adding in Kyle Trask, he's easily the least mobile out of all these quarterbacks. Between Lawrence Fields, Wilson, and Lance, easily the most immobile quarterback out of all of them. Him, Mac Mac Jones, are not the most mobile quarterbacks in this draft class. So by that, we'll put in Trey Lance as the next best available after Zach Wilson. 
The Redskins, I did again. The Washington football team will start the draft as far as quarterbacks go because we already know it's going one and two. The third quarterback, whether it's Trey Lance, whether it's Zach Wilson, whether it's Kyle Trask, or maybe Mac Jones if they want to throw a giant wrench into the thing. That's what we're thinking here. Uh, hopefully, for Bears fans' sake, Ryan Pace does not make the pick. And hopefully, for Bears fans' sake, Matt Nagy's not there to ruin him. So, with that being said, let's end this show here today. I think today went very, very well. If you enjoyed the show, make sure, again, you go and follow the Blogan Blackman Show on all forms of social media and the Spotify and Apple Podcast accounts. And I will see you all later. Have a great rest of your day, and peace.